Greetings from the Classic City. I am Jamie Cheek. This is A View from the Couch. Thank you so much for joining me again on the podcast this week. A little bit of a different show for you today. We're going to start out as we typically do with our viewing guide setting up your Saturday week four in college football. And then we're basically going to just jump into talking a little bit about what Georgia did last week on the road in Columbia when Georgia beat South Carolina 48-7. to We'll talk about some of the stats from that game and kind of take a little bit of a step back and look at the Georgia offense in general, kind of some trends over the last couple of years, and uh, talk about what it could mean moving forward. We will not spend a lot of time talking about the Kent State game for obvious reasons. So uh, I hope you enjoy the show. Last week went a little long. This week's going to be a little bit abbreviated, but all in all, it'll all balance out over the course of the season. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, let's jump into the viewing guide and get you set up for this week. Um, it, it's kind of an interesting week. I, I don't think we have a ton of marquee games, but we kind of have a week where it's almost like the TV executives got together and spaced it out well enough that it can still be a very enjoyable day of uh, college football watching. So if you're a Georgia fan this week, your biggest trouble is going to be finding the Kent State and Georgia game. It's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. I also saw where it's going to be on the uh, ESPN alternate channel. So if you have access to, uh, if you're an ESPN Plus subscriber, or if you have access to the uh, the ES the SEC Network alternate channel, then you'll be able to find the game at noon on Saturday. Um, I think if you could just, you know, I think probably ESPN Plus has a uh, like a, a five day or a seven day trial where you could uh, sign up and then uh, immediately unsign up uh and, and at least get to watch some of the kent state and georgia game don't think there's going to be a lot to it but we'll we'll chat about that just a little bit later the marquee game in the noon spot is going to be number five clemson going on the road to take on wake forest that game's on abc uh you know last year i think clemson and the, the dynamic around clemson was one of the most interesting things of last season because you know, Wake Forest had just this magical season, right? That we all remember watching Wake Forest play Army, and that game ended up like 68-64. It was just, it was insane the way Wake Forest was playing. I think they crept up into the top 10, maybe even top 12 at one point in the season. But Clemson beat Wake Forest last year, and Clemson was a UNC miracle comeback away from playing for the ACC championship last year. So while the Tigers have been sitting there in the top five for the entirety of the season, uh, they, they're very undervalued, in my opinion. You know, this is a program that two years ago was looked at on par with Alabama and Ohio State as the preeminent programs in all of the country. And last year's offensive performance and defensive injuries kind of made everybody think that, that things had changed dramatically at Clemson. And I'm not sure that's the case. Now, the offense still isn't back to you know, when you had Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson running the offense. But Clemson's undefeated. Clemson's played well. Clemson really hasn't been in a situation where they've been tested or struggled at all so far this season. So this is going to be a 
very interesting game because I think Clemson wins, but I don't know what to expect whatsoever, and I'm not sure a lot of Clemson fans do either. So it's going to be interesting to see not only Clemson against another top 25 team, but on the road. How do they respond on the road, and, and how do they play, especially offensively? You know, that defense for Clemson is going to keep them – I. It's going to keep them in games. I mean, Wake Forest, as good as their offense may be, and they have the quarterback back, I I don't see Wake going out there and putting up 30 or 40 on this Clemson defense. And so Clemson's going to keep you in the 20s. They're going to keep their offense with an opportunity to play well. It's just going to be a very interesting game. And, And if I were not going to the Georgia game, that would be the game that I would be taking a look at in the noon spot. So uh, another game for you on ESPN2, number 17, Baylor at Iowa State. You, you'll see a theme here as the Big 12 is starting to kick off uh, their conference play. Baylor went on the road a couple weeks ago to BYU, did not play well, got beat in double overtime, but Baylor is still a team that should be in contention in the Big 12. And uh, Iowa State undefeated so far this year, kind of the biggest win they have it was going on the road, I believe, was on the road and beating Iowa in week two. So that game is ESPN two. And then if you just if if you're a person that likes pain, if if you don't enjoy things that are fun, if you don't like happiness, if you prefer a rainy day to a sunny one, you can turn over to the on ESPN. You just stay on ESPN after game day. Missouri is playing Auburn, and nobody cares. Missouri is bad. Auburn is bad. Auburn looked. Absolutely terrible last week against Penn State. Uh, you can start the egg timer on Brian Harson, But uh, Missouri, actually probably worse than Auburn. So Auburn, I think, wins that game. But uh, I don't think there's going to be any winners, only losers. And you'll be a loser if you watch it. So moving out of that noontime spot, 3.30, the CBS game of the week. One of the, the better rivalries in all of the SEC. You got number 20, Florida, going on the road at number 11, Tennessee. That's your CBS game of the week. Man, I, this game is so interesting for so many reasons. Now, listen, what we have to be able to do when we talk about college football, and I think this is where, you know, if you allow me just a moment to kind of digress. This is where the people who talk about playoff expansion and all of that kind of stuff, this is where they completely miss the boat. More interesting games that have some sort of stakes and implication make the season more fun. Now, I don't think anybody that's for expanding the playoff actually thinks that the number 12 team is going to go on a magical run and win the national championship. But it's going to be interesting watching them try. You know, I mean, we, we, we go into March Madness every single year with 68 teams making the tournament. And every once in a while, you'll get just an, an upset or a shocker. But that's five guys on the field or five guys on the court. You know, one player can make a big difference. You're Most of the time, you see a number one, a number two, or a number three seed making it, it to the final four, right? So I, I don't understand why we don't want more interesting football. And while Florida and Tennessee are not going to compete for a national title this year, this is an insanely intriguing game. Florida has beaten Tennessee about a million times in a row, except for 2016. But Florida has this incredible win streak on Tennessee. They've just, they they have dominated them for about the past 10 or 12 years. And this was the rivalry that in the 90s, this was 
the SEC rival, not just the SEC East, the entirety of the SEC. This was the marquee game of every single season, and it's obviously lost its luster with Tennessee being non-competitive in the rivalry. But Tennessee's offense is elite. Their defense, I was actually impressed, especially with their defensive line play against Pitt a couple of weeks ago. Florida had the magical opening game of the season uh, where they upset Utah in the swamp, lost to Kentucky week two, or yeah, and then last week played around and, and almost lost to South Florida at home. So Florida on the road, Anthony Richardson, he looked great week one. He has not looked good at all since. This is one of those games that if you told me Florida wins the game by a field goal, I would not be shocked. If you told me Tennessee beat them by 35, I would equally not be shocked. So I'm just intrigued. This game isn't going to mean anything, I don't think, in the SEC East race. I don't think it's going to mean anything at the end of the year. But that doesn't mean it's not worth your time on Saturday afternoon because this is a rivalry. They hate each other. Knoxville is going to be going absolutely crazy. I was lucky enough to be there for the Georgia-Tennessee game last year. And that, that crowd was excited. They, you know, number one, Georgia was coming into town. But it, it did seem to me like there was an, an aura of, well, we're not going to win this game, but it's fun that we're having it. It's fun that we're competitive and that we're good. And when Tennessee scored early and they were moving the ball early, that place was electric. And then Georgia did what they did to most teams last year and just kind of wore them down and and sucked their soul out uh, over the course of the second and third quarters, and then the place was empty by the fourth quarter. Tennessee hates Florida, and this is a huge opportunity for Tennessee to really kind of get rid of some demons, get rid of some baggage that they've been holding on to. And this is a time for Tennessee to take a step. Like I said, I don't think Tennessee is on Georgia's level in the East this year. That game is in Athens. So I think that that's kind of, even if Tennessee plays really, really well, I just don't think they're quite there. They haven't had enough recruiting classes. They're, they're on the way back. But this is a step for them. They lost to Florida last year. They struggled early in the season. Then they got rolling later in the season. So I think this game on 330 is very interesting. I think Tennessee wins. I think Tennessee actually wins pretty big. But the curse of Florida, I mean, as a Georgia fan who lived through the 90s and early 2000s where Georgia was better than Florida so many times in Jacksonville and just could not win, especially in the Mark Richt era, in the 2000 era, Georgia was just as good or better than Florida so many of those years and just couldn't get it done. It's interesting and it's important for Tennessee that they are the better team, that they take care of it. The X factor in every Florida game is if you see the version of Anthony Richardson that showed up week one against Utah, all bets are off because that Anthony Richardson can dominate a game, take it over, and potentially upset anybody, and I'm including Georgia in that. But the, the Anthony Richardson we've seen the last two weeks could is going to get absolutely buried and, and, and will get absolutely murdered in Knoxville. So... Which Anthony Richardson we get, I think, probably determines how, how entertaining the game ends up being, but I think it's interesting no matter what. Equally interesting, Texas. Number 22, Texas, on the road at Texas Tech. That game's on ESPN. Texas Tech got a big win uh, against Houston, who then turned around and got absolutely thumped last week, so I don't know how much of a win that was. But you got Texas going on the road in the conference and a very similar situation to Tennessee. Texas had that great, you know, move into the top 25 from losing to Alabama situation in week two. And now they have to do the thing they haven't been able to do. 
they've gotten up for some big games. They've won some bowl games. They've been competitive with Oklahoma, even as Tom Herman's being fired and Sark's getting started. You know, Oklahoma-Texas game last year was probably, in my opinion, the most impressive and most fun game of the entire season. I, I just I thought it was absolutely a spectacular college football game to watch. The problem Texas has had during this downtime has not been big games. It's been little games. It's been beating TCU and Texas Tech and the other teams in the Big 12 that they have more talent than. That's the teams they've struggled to beat. So it's very important for Texas. If their season is going to go the way I believe it could, it's going to be important for Texas to come out, play well, build off that Alabama game a couple weeks ago, and then establish themselves as a team that can go on the road to the conference and get the job done. That leads us to 7 o'clock, and I think another insanely interesting game, number 10, Arkansas. This this is not on the road at Texas A&M. Texas A&M and Arkansas are playing in Jerry World. They do that every year. A&M is ranked 25th. Uh, they upset Miami last week after being upset by App State the week before. So the question is, what is Texas A&M? You know, Texas A&M, I think, is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I, I don't understand it. I know Arkansas got pushed last week by Missouri State. Uh, obviously, that was a look-ahead. They, they, they had just gone and beaten South Carolina the week before. They got Texas A&M the next week. It's a classic trap game against Missouri State, and Bobby Petrino came in there and had a lot of motivation, and his offense played well and kept him in that game for a while. I think Arkansas is going to truck Texas A&M. I, I, Texas A&M, they've changed quarterbacks. Mac Johnson, he looked semi-competent, but in no way did that offense look effective or explosive in, in any sense of the word. Uh, the touchdowns that they scored were basically gifted by Miami. So when I watch Arkansas play, I see a, a team that's good on defense, not great. They got exposed a little bit last week, but I don't think Texas A&M has got the offense to do anything about that. But I see a team offensively that – with the the running quarterback that they have um, and the the big playability they have with Hazelwood on the outside, I, Arkansas is a good team. And I, th- I think Arkansas is going to win this game by two touchdowns. I really do. So I think the misery of Texas A&M was delayed a week by beating Miami. I don't think it's going to be changed for the season. I, th- I think they're going to have a rough few weeks over the next couple of weeks. So that game, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, I think an interesting game. To keep an eye on, okay? Like, don't you're not going to watch this game. Alabama's going to win, but I'm interested to see how how Vandy looks at Alabama. I think Vanderbilt can at least cover the spread. I think uh, Alabama's favored by forty and a half. I, Vandy's decent. They they have played well so far this season. Obviously, they have not played SEC talent, so it'll be interesting to see them against one of the best teams in the country. Uh, but I I like Vandy. I th- I think Vandy will at least make it interesting for a moment. I don't think it's going to be like a couple years ago when Vandy didn't cross ha- uh, midfield for the entirety of the first half. Also at 7.30, uh, what ABC and ESPN are going to try to tell you is the big game of the week. You've got Wisconsin on the road at Ohio State. Uh, No, this isn't going to be competitive. Wisconsin's not a very good football team. Now, if you're going to watch any of this game, just keep an eye on that Ohio State offense. uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba has not been healthy. I'm not sure if he's playing in this game or not, but uh, that offense without him has not looked what – 
what we expected the offense to look like. So it'll be very interesting to see if Ohio State can start getting rolling as they get the Big Ten play started and if they can grow into the team that everybody assumed they were going to be at the start of the season. Similarly, Kansas State on the road uh, at Oklahoma on Fox at 8 o'clock. This is a game that Oklahoma should win, but between Arkansas, Texas A&M, Vandy, Alabama, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Kansas State at Oklahoma, I think there's enough there to keep you interested in the in the 7, 8 o'clock uh, time frame. Now, I'm really interested in number 7 USC going on the road to Oregon State, 9.30 kickoff. What I don't know is, is a pet is the Pac-12 network a thing? Everything I've looked at says this game is on the Pac-12 network, and I did not realize the Pac-12 had a network. Um, so I don't know where to find that. I guess I'm going to hope I can find it on ESPN Plus. But uh, I think Oregon State's got a very good shot to win that game outright. Just I know USC's looked great. Everybody thinks USC's going to make the playoff. Maybe they will, but I don't think. Uh, I don't think they're going to quite be there. And I think Oregon State has a great chance to win this game. So that is from noon to what could end up being 1 o'clock in the morning. That is the Saturday, week four. That is your viewing guide. So that's your guide to getting through a great day of college football on Saturday. Moving on, let's uh, let's take a look back. Um you know, I said that I thought Georgia was going to win, but I kind of warned Georgia fans that it was going to be a different situation. I thought it was going to be 52-24. Um, I was wrong. Georgia goes into South Carolina and just absolutely destroys the Gamecocks, 48-7. to um, <laughs> it, it, it was really... To me, in a lot of ways, because you're on the road in the SEC, especially, uh, you know, we talked about the dynamics with South Carolina last week where they see Georgia as their biggest SEC rival. I think it was a more impressive win than the Oregon game. I mean, I know Oregon was ranked and they're supposed to be really good, and I think they are pretty good. But to me, what it said about this team this year to be able to go in – and and just so quickly and thoroughly show themselves, the South Carolina Gamecocks, uh, Shane Beamer, <laughs> and the fans who were in attendance for a few minutes, um, they might have been able to get back to their grills before they cooled off too much to be able to cook. Like that's how fast that stadium emptied out. The student section was almost empty before halftime. It it was absolutely bananas how quickly. Everybody in that stadium realized that it was a fait accompli and that game was over at kickoff. Um, Stetson Bennett, 16 of 23, 284 yards, two touchdowns. He carried the ball three times, 36 yards, a touchdown. Uh, Actually, the leading rusher on the team with 36 yards rushing. Uh, Bowers is the, you know, got all the headlines this week. Five catches, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I think he had a rushing touchdown where they did like a jet sweep to him. Uh, for the first score of the game, so Bowers and uh, just, just Bowers and Bennett, right? Like it, it was just an absolute domination. And and for the folks that don't feel like Georgia can run the ball, Georgia ran the ball thirty-five times for two hundred and eight yards, so very effective. Now 
Stetson Bennett was the leading rusher. Georgia's doing this running back by committee situation. I don't think it matters who's running the ball as long as somebody's able to run it, right? Uh, and when the, the offense is going on the road in the SEC and scoring 48 points, I don't think we got anything to worry about at this point. So we'll wait till there's a problem to talk about a problem. Defensively is what I was the most impressed with. Uh, I really thought, I mean, I, I predicted 52, right? Georgia scores 48. I, we're going to count that as a win. But I thought South Carolina was going to be effective on offense. I really did. I, th- I thought they were going to be able to go out there and put some points on the board, and they just weren't. Rattler was only 13-25, 118 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. They took a couple deep shots, but it just wasn't there. And, and Georgia didn't sack him. After Arkansas sacked him uh, practically a million times the week before, Georgia, is, this defense is just different. And i, I got to be honest with you. It's obviously effective, but I I still I don't feel like I have a good grasp on how what they're doing that's so good. If if that makes sense, obviously they're stopping the other team from scoring, so like I I get that. But they're not pressuring the quarterback in a dramatic way. I they're just tackling well. It sounds like a stupid thing to say, but it really does seem like the first guy to get to the ball carrier makes the play and our defense is fast enough. There's always a guy there. So just, it, it's just, it's that simple. Maybe, I don't know. I want to watch it a little bit more for a few more weeks to really try to, you know, figure out what is making them so effective. I mean, I think the secondary, which was a huge question coming into the season between Malachi Starks and some of these younger guys, the secondary's playing really well. They're not giving up big plays. And, and we're just there. We're just not giving anything up. Teams cannot run the ball against us. I mean, just cannot run the ball. Carolina rushed the ball 30 times for 92 yards. That is practically zero. That That is not running the ball. Um, so the defense is averaging 3.3 uh, points per game allowed. Now, obviously, it is early in the season. The level of competition, you know, is questionable. But even as I try to get that out and say that, I mean, outside of Sanford, we played Oregon and South Carolina. We're giving up 3.3 points per game, okay? I understand that that's not Alabama and Ohio State, but those are viable college football teams that Georgia is making look absolutely anemic. Um, so, I don't know. I, I I get stuck, right? Like, I've just got too much Georgia in me. I get stuck going, it, it, it can't just be this easy. We, 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 we won the national championship last year for the first time in 41 years. It's, we're not just going to turn around and do it again, right? And, and, and they don't give trophies out in September, so I'm not trying to say that Georgia's you know, just a lock for this or a lock for that, but it, it's scary as a Georgia fan who has lived with so much disappointment it's scary to look and see how good this defense is playing and how effective it's being. Let's put let's play it that way. How effective the defense is and how amazingly efficient the offense is. And it seems to create so far in the season. It would seem to create a scenario where it just doesn't seem likely that the other team will ever score more points than us. <laughs> And I'm purposefully saying this in kind of a an elementary or, or childish way because, you know, what that means, if the other team doesn't score more points, then we win. And just the way 
this is looking right now is it seems pretty unlikely that anybody's going to do that for a while. When you look at Georgia's schedule, you look past Kent State for obvious reasons. At Missouri, they announced that game's going to be 7.30. I told you earlier in the in the viewing guide, Missouri's trash. I, Auburn's not good. They're going to beat Missouri. So next week at Missouri, I mean, it's on the road in the SEC, but we just saw what Georgia did to a, you know, at least a probably a bowl team in South Carolina. Missouri's not even that. You come home and play Auburn. I don't know what Auburn may be at that point. I think Tank Bigsby may be the best running back in the SEC. I'm just not sure it matters because the thing that this defense has shown they can do is stop the run. I don't think there's any quarterback. You know, Calzada, uh, the guy that transferred from A&M to Auburn, has he's having soldier, shoulder surgery, so he's going to be out for the year. Um, I, I just don't see T.J. Finley doing anything to Georgia's defense, really. And, and, and the – Auburn defense got absolutely destroyed at home last week by a very boring Sean Clifford and a Penn State team that is solid, but in many ways unremarkable. I I don't see that really being a game, and then it's Vandy, and then it's the off week, and then it's Florida. So the back half of the schedule, honestly, when you're talking about playing, um, you know, Florida – and then Tennessee, and then Kentucky. There's somebody else in there. I can't remember who. Oh, at Mississippi State, Kentucky. November to me, you know, I, I, at this point, I don't see anything really changing between the Georgia and Florida dynamic. But when you talk about that that three-week span, hosting Tennessee and Athens, on the road at Mississippi State, on the road at Kentucky before hosting Tech to end the season – that would definitely seem like it's the most difficult part of the schedule, and, and, and that's a long way away. So I think over the next few weeks, what we're going to be wanting to watch for as Georgia fans is the continued just efficiency of the offense. And, and the schedule now, with what Georgia was able to do against Oregon and on the road to South Carolina, the schedule opens up in a way that if we've been doing it with smoke and mirrors with this defense a little bit, would you know, we should have opportunities to work on the things that we have been able to hide so far in the year because by the time you get to Jacksonville, these kids aren't kids anymore, right? They've, they're going to have seven games under their belt, and at that point, you would think the talent would start to have some maturation and, and, and some experience to go along with it. So I think this season is just setting up to be a really kind of perfect storm for Georgia, and – I want to take just a moment to, before we finish today to talk about the Georgia offense because watching Oregon was just fun, right? You don't know what we're going to be. We just come off a national championship. You hope we just play good. You don't know what's coming on from this defense. So that was just like you watch the whole game and you're just kind of having fun. And you're just like, look at this. This is awesome. This is great. You you play Sanford. You're like, okay, we, we, we beat Sanford. Nobody's hanging a banner because of that. But for me... This South Carolina game, just it was a different experience. It was so fun to watch the offense operate. It was just crazy to me how people were open on every play. And South Carolina, they're again, they're not a top 25 team. They're probably a bowl team, six and six, seven and five. But they're a competent SEC defense. And the things we were doing schematically on offense to create people being open on every single play 
was just remarkable. And I just want to give some flowers, just give some some thanks, some gratitude, some just way to go. Todd Munkin has absolutely revolutionized this Georgia offense. Let me give you some numbers. Going back to Kirby's first year, the average points per game in 2016 was 24 and a half. Georgia was averaging 384 yards of total offense and 5.4 yards per play. Now, just kind of keep that those numbers in mind. The peak pre-Munkin was in 2018. So this is Jake Fromm's second full year. This is Justin Fields is sitting on the bench for some ungodly reason. But that year, Georgia scored 37, almost 38 points per game. 464 yards of total offense and average seven yards, 7.1 yards per play. Now, Munkin, he had the 2020 season. That was his first year. Obviously, you have Jamie Newman debacle. You have uh, the 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 quarterback. I can now. I feel bad. I should have written his name down. But the guy that started the first game of the season and ended up getting replaced by Stetson. You know, it's just that was not a a good first year, right? You didn't get spring practice. False practice was started, stopped, abbreviated, changed. Everything was kind of weird. But even in that year, the dogs had increased their offensive production compared to the year prior. But last year in the title season, 38.6 points per game, 442 yards uh, on average per game of total offense and seven yards of carry. So last year kind of mirrored that 2018 year, which has been the best offensive year under Kirby Smart. Now, again, I understand it's early this year, but that's the whole reason I'm talking about this is because what Georgia has done so far this year has been just another level up. 43 and a third points per game on average, 532 yards and eight yards per play. It is remarkable when you look at where Georgia is this year and compare it to 2016 and you realize that Georgia has, you know, increased their offensive production, even if you just want to look at it a yards per play situation, from under five and a half to right at eight is absolutely insane. When you think about what that means from a how often you're getting first down, how often you're avoiding third down, the efficiency that this offense is playing with right now is absolutely excellent. And if Georgia has the opportunity on the road at Missouri, at home against Auburn, at home against Vandy, to continue putting up these kind of numbers. They're going to go into that difficult back half of the season with a lot of confidence, and I'm just not sure there's anybody that can play defense well enough to slow Georgia down. And if that's the case, it's going to be very hard for the other team to score more than Georgia for the rest of this regular season. So, we get ready for Kent State. No breakdown of Kent State. They are uh, one and two. They lost uh, at Washington and at Oklahoma. They beat Long Island last week. That's right. Long Island has a football team, and Kent State beat them. So uh, the dogs are going to win this game. As has been the trend, it was, it's Saban's trend in Alabama. You see some of the best teams. We're not going to lay it on them. It's going to be like 41-3, to three, something like that. Um, 
pretty pretty fun day between the hedges. Hopefully the weather's nice. Going to take the boys out there for the first time this year. I was uh, I weaseled out uh, of the Sanford game. I, I got scared off by the rain, then it ended up being a nice day. So I have to admit that publicly that uh, that at the last minute we decided not to go. So anyway, Georgia and Kent State should be fun this weekend, and then we get really into SEC play for the rest of the season starting next week. I appreciate you so much. I hope you enjoyed the show today. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And as always, go dogs.